What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Windchill Factor podcast. I know you see a lot of familiar faces, but this is the Windchill Factor. And I appreciate all of you guys for joining into this impromptu live show. You know, we I've done this like twice before. Um, probably Jake has been on both times, but you know how me and Jake are. Most likely. Um, <laughs> but today I have a bunch of family in the house, built in Buffalo family, of course, as always. First of all, one of my first time ever. Look, look, this guy has like one of the best produced podcasts I've, I've maybe ever seen in life. Like their show is so awesome. It's, it's definitely easily one of my favorite shows. And I'm super excited to be having him on. I really appreciate you coming through for uh, Justin, uh, one of the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo podcast. How are you doing today, bro? I'm good, man. This is uh first time live. Um, pretty jazzed up to be doing it. Got some great people on the show tonight. And as far as, as, far as the production of our show goes, I, I take no credit for that. I have no idea how my guy Jake does it in the background, but he does a great job with it and really carries the show. Jake is awesome, but you guys, you guys do a great job as well. This is it's like Thank this perfect you. little team. You guys are awesome. Um, also, we have another great, great show, uh, an- another uh, half of the duo from another great show, and it's T. Estelle from the Not Your Average Podcast and Seven One Six. You guys see me tweeting about it all the time, so you know. Obviously, I, I promote this this Twitter uh, this podcast very heavily. Uh, how you doing today, T? I'm good. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes, okay, right. I'm good. I'm great. Victory awesome, Monday. Awesome. <laughs> victory Monday, especially yeah, especially when it's a victory that we were expecting, like the, Absolutely. the way we're expecting. You know what I mean? So, um, yes. And last but not least, we got the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Jake Jordan, the Lowdown Podcast every Friday. And that is not today because it's not Friday. But every time, every no. other time we record, <laughs> I got to remember that it drops tonight, but this is Monday, so. Uh, that should come later in the week. Uh, how you doing, Jake? Uh, you know, as good as you can do on a Monday and uh, Victory Monday at that. We all have to love it, especially since, you know, usually we don't get the opportunity anymore to, you know, be right after the game. You know, we got to wait till the end of the week to usually yeah. talk about the game. So this is great. I love being able to do this because uh, the Buffalo Bills kicked some ass. That's for sure. They absolutely did. Very fun to watch, and we're going to get into that in a moment right after we get into the comment section. Mr. Vince Taylor is in the building. Oh, he's talking to Dave, but <laughs> Dave is in the building as well, so appreciate you guys for coming through. Uh, Vince <laughs> Taylor, obviously, uh, built a Buffalo family as well. Go ahead and check out Buffalo on the Brain podcast that comes out. Oh, that podcast did come out today, so <laughs> go check uh, Vince out. Uh, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. We got Miss Kim Boomhauer in the building. We got another David, Mr. David Highland. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, guys? Uh, go Bills, of course. And then love for my man, Justin, of course. Justin, you, you work with Vince quite a lot, right? Yeah, we actually have. Uh, we started doing a recurring segment probably – Oh, I don't know, two, three months ago, we do the really silly really segment. Fake, yeah. we, just, we figured out we liked working together, and Vince just came to me with the idea, let's let's put something together that's in the books every week and just get together once a week and find a reason to talk more bills, and you never have to twist my arm to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and and Jay, uh, Vince says the best judgment, anything that Vince says, typically, like 95% of the time, I agree with. Um, so... 
uh, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure having you on, bro. Um, but what we are here to talk about today is the absolute blowout that the, the stomping, excuse me, that the Bills put on the New York Jets. 45 to 17 really should have been 45-3, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just did get two garbage time touchdowns and, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, that shouldn't stop our defense from still being number one in scoring defense. Miss T, what was going through your mind watching this game? Like, how, were you happy to see the Bills back on track or do you think that it's just, you know, it's a weak opponent and we shouldn't, you know. I'll be quite honest with you. Um, when I first, I don't get really too nervous about games. But I was kind of nervous about this game. Like the last game, I was it was weird. I just something wasn't right. I don't believe in trap games, like I said on my podcast, but I just I believe that you have to come and play every game. You can't have a letdown. So I mean, I knew that after that game they lost, they were gonna come in with high energy and ready to roll because they got punched in the face. I mean, I don't know. If it was true what the Jags player was saying, how they were not motivated or, you know, whatever. But I just think that was for them, uh, okay, we got to get back on the grind. Because I think that shocked them too. Like, you, no touchdown, nothing. You know, so I think it was a, definitely a get-right game. And, they, you know, they got right. So I was happy to see it. Were you expecting this or were you a little nervous? Um, Again, I was a little nervous, but I was expecting – Spencer Brown was back and I know he's a rookie and I know, you know, one guy can't make a team better whatever, but he's part of a piece. (laughs) He's part of a piece. And those piece, those pieces fit well with Spencer Brown Brown being in a lineup. So he, he played his role. He played well. He's good. I mean, he might be a rookie, but you got to get that man some props. He's, he's good. He's good. Absolutely. Um, and we are definitely going to get into Spencer Brown a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, what, what was your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, I try not to put too much stock into that Jacksonville game. Um, it's something that, you know, especially this year in the NFL, we, we see with like the top tier teams there. They cough up a game they shouldn't lose once in a while. Yeah. Um, for me, it's more. You know, that was an embarrassing loss. It it was painful to watch. But for me, it's more how you ba- bounce back from it. And this is how you bounce back from a game like that. And, you know, if we had come out and won, you know, 17 to 7 or something like that in a real tight contest and, and didn't really look like ourselves again, then the, the concern starts to creep up for me a little bit. But this game kind of just puts into perspective like yeah jacksonville was it was a flat week it was an off week that that wasn't the team that we've grown to ex- expect mm-hmm. and coming back out and being fueled by that loss and getting recentered and refocused and coming out and throttling a team you're supposed to throttle to me is is just as much of a mark of a good team as you know, if we were to have pulled out that Jacksonville game with like a three point win, you know, good teams lose football games too. It just kind of sucks that it was to a, to a bad opponent. Yeah. So, do you, would you say that you think the Bills are back on track now at this point? I would say yes. And it's, it's hard for me to say that with, with having beat such a weak team, right? You know, we came out and beat a team that we were supposed to. Um, but this is, 
this is more the Bills that we've seen this season where, you know, the, you you have to beat who's in front of you and you can't change who your opponent is. But, you know, a good team, that, that Jets team has beaten the Titans. They've played some close football games. And all you can really do with an inferior opponent in front of you is, is handle your business. And, you know, the score kind of shows what we thought should happen in that game. And like I said, if it was a little bit more tightly contested, yeah, I might still have some questions, but there's not too many holes to poke into how this game went. Absolutely. 100% agree. And Mr. Jake Jordan, what were your thoughts on the game? This game, uh, you know, I was, we, we talked about it on Friday. I, I kind of assumed that, the Jets were going to get some garbage time points, but from top to bottom throughout almost most of the game, I would say probably the bills were lackluster all the way up to the few, the last few minutes of the second quarter. And then from there, the bills just turned it on and decided to, yeah, like we, we got this done. Uh, I think that the Jacksonville game, you know, like I, I hate being that guy who like sits there and goes, Oh, they got punched in the mouth. This time they're going to bounce back, or now they're going to bounce back. Like, I after the Titans game, I thought that was going to be one of those games like, hey, they knew they shouldn't have lost that game, but it didn't work. So I think Spin said he was like, the Titans punched him in the face, but then the Jags kicked him in the balls. Like, that, that's what happened. So the, the Bills finally, we heard all throughout the week, hey, it's all business. It seems like these guys, you know, practice. It's a little bit more. You know, it's it's a little bit more serious. They're taking it a little bit more serious now, and that's what we need. I think that's what the Bills needed going forward. And honestly, we should have done this to the Jets. Like, I, I, I was not surprised. I know a lot of people were worried going into this game because of what happened in Jacksonville, me, you know, being there watching that game. But I still coming into this game was like, the Bills should hammer the Jets like it should not be a competition the Jets are one of the bottom feeder teams of the league and the Bills I understand that it's you know it's a division game so they're probably going to play them a little bit tougher but the Bills just top the bottom are a better team it's what I expected it's what they did but I think the real test is actually coming up these next few weeks like this is what you're supposed to do to the Jets and to calm people's nerves I think the Bills need to continue this momentum and you know, follow it up against the Colts and then the Saints. And then who do we have after that? Is it the the Bucks and then the Patriots, or is it the Patriots and the Buccaneers? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm Whatever one it is week at a time. Yeah, yeah. those are <laughs> those, 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 those are some tough games coming up. So I need to see the Bills do it against the Colts. And then keep it going because we've seen this Bills team. It's been like a roller coaster with the offense. We need to see a little bit more just stability in the play calling and being able to know what they do. I better see Matt Breida next week. I better see F.A. Obata, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. It's the Patriots. It's the Saints and Patriots. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank and you. then the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right, so then we're – so, Jake, you weren't – Worried about any of the Mike White like hype? You didn't think he was gonna come and go off on our defense? So you know me, I I was saying white lightning could strike. Uh it did not. Uh, there wasn't even a, there was not even a cloud in the sky, uh, to be completely honest with you. Uh Mike White had his, you know, after saying like, hey, I should have been the number one pick, he had that crashing down the earth moment where it's like, no, dude, you got picked up 
fifth round out of Kentucky. You probably shouldn't like you're you're not the guy. So he comes back. Honestly, I thought that the Jets might be a little bit better off like just banishing him to the practice squad after that game. Like that was a Nathan Peterman type game for Mike White. And as we know, you know, that's you can never really come back from that. Zach Wilson needs to be their future. This Mike White thing needs to be wiped off the map. And look, that's the same reason Mike White is going off. It were was going off until he ran into the Buffalo Bills. It's the same reason why I get all the Mac Jones hype, but I don't think Mac Jones has technically reached and had to battle a secondary that goes up against the Buffalo Bills. So I every single team, I think that especially these guys that they're you know hyping up every single week, everybody wears a different crown. Uh, I I feel like that going to the Patriots game, and of course, I know we're not talking about the Patriots right now, but everybody likes to bring up that they're right on our ass in the division. I think that the Buffalo Bills defense is going to make it hard on any quarterback, even Carson Wentz this week. I think everybody, like, I, I understand, like, they're worried, but our defense, they're locked down, dude, and this week proved it. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree more uh, myself personally. Um, it felt like it was it was the win we needed. Like, it was the win to kind of make you, like, you know, breathe a sigh of relief, right? You know, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, you know, I was a little tense. You know, I even tweeted the night before, I'm happy as hell the Bills are playing tomorrow, but I'm a little nervous, you know, uh, especially considering, like, last year the Jets didn't allow us to have a single touchdown. And then, obviously, coming off of mm-hmm. this year, uh, the, you know, the Jaguars came. <laughs> that was a good game for you. Um, yeah. You know, so all, all of that combined kind of made me a little nervous. You know, it's a division rival, um, new head coach. They might be a little invigorated with, you know, their their quarterback who they, you know, thought was the answer. Um, I'm not going to say I thought they were going to win. I just didn't – I wouldn't necessarily have predicted a blowout, you know, if mm-hmm. I was going to go that route. Um but I'm glad I'm glad it happened that way. Um, I would have loved to see them be held to three or even ten points, you know, just to kind of narrow the gap between, uh, you know, defensive points allowed. Because um, I know we're number one. Uh, I know I think the Panthers are like on our tail, so I would have liked to see that that gap, you know, widened a little bit. But I can't be mad at you allowing 17 points, um, especially yeah. 14 of them when the game was already over. In gar- in garbage um, time. Exactly. Um, so next what we're going to get into is what did we like about the offense, right? So obviously uh, Josh Allen was 21-29. He threw for 366 yards, two touchdowns, and he had a little fluky pick, but eh, it is what it is. It wasn't um, even a pick. It hit the <laughs> right, ground. it hit the ground. It did hit the ground. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's one of them uh, Los Angeles Ram picks. Yeah. But T, uh, what did you like offensively? Um, I, I wrote some, a little bit of notes. Um, I guess I like the bounce back. Like, I like the fact that, that, um, because our offense was not on, on, on all cylinders last, last week, but I like the fact that, um, and I know we're going to get into Brian Dable. I just like the fact that I think he opened up the book a little bit more. They use Isaiah more, which they should, which I don't understand is why they just stick to him being a punt returner or whatever. You can open up the book even more if you use Isaiah. We've seen Matt Breida. I like the fact that he came in. Didn't like the fumbles, but I like the fact that he came in as well. I think Matt Breida has 
has earned himself a spot next week. So um, I liked all of it. Like Dawson Knox was there, but not really a factor. But um, I think that, again, our offense, I don't think we are where we need to be because I think we could put more um, points up and we left some points on the field yesterday. But I I like our offense. I just don't think we're on all cylinders right now. You know, because Josh is Josh and he's going to – I hate the, I hate the sugar high Josh Allen phrase and shit like that. Excuse my language, um, but <laughs> I just think that Josh can throw every ball on the field. He can. He's just. He just wants everybody to win, and he's going to do everything in his power to win. And sometimes that's a mistake. But I like the fact what happened yesterday with the offense. Okay. Again, the um, book needs to be opened, though. They need to, Dabo needs to open that book because if you're saving plays, there's no need to save plays. Yeah, I agree because what you just said, you know, open the, the playbook for McKenzie. We saw McKenzie had a hell of a day yesterday, yeah. and he probably would have had a better day if he didn't get injured. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I know that that affected him to some degree at the very least. Um, so I, I 100% agree. It, you know, I was looking at fake you know, end around reverses just to come back to a screen pass. I'm like, yo, Dayball, where was all this before? Like, mm-hmm. like, what was going on? I don't, I don't understand that. But hey, you guys together today. Hopefully, you can hit a stride. Um, you know, and and peak around you know February. You know, let's just let's say February. <laughs> and we're not even at our peak, so I mean, I exactly, which is great. I mean, you know, as fans, for me, I could talk, I could speak for myself. I get a little nervous, but. It's still early. It's still early in the season. So, you know, but you just hate to see a six with no touchdown. That's what made me nervous. It's like we have all this potential on the field and we got away with nothing, like no touchdown. Like that's not like our offense, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Spencer Brown wasn't in and Daryl Williams was getting used and abused at the right time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Botker was getting used. Yeah. Cody Ford was getting abused. Uh, Deion Dawkins was getting abused. I don't want to just put it all on Daryl Williams, but he didn't look great. He didn't look great at all. It's a trickle-down effect. Everything happens. It's just, you know, it trickles down to the next man, to the next man, to the next man. Absolutely. Um, Spencer Brown came back. It seemed to remedy that a little bit, but we'll get to Spencer Brown a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, Justin, what did you like, like specifically about the offense? Like what was your, what, what was something that you really were impressed by that the offense did yesterday? Yeah, I, I like the point that you made about, you know, like the fake jet motions and the fake sweeps and, and things like that. And this is something I've been calling for personally for weeks, it seems, is is just kind of we lost that element of the offense that we had last year. And I'm not saying you have to run, you know, four or five jet sweeps with Isaiah McKenzie a game. Um, but just when you have him out there and the threat of it and the defense looking at that and being like, oh, that's the fast guy. We got to keep an eyeball on him. Mm-hmm. I think that just really helps open up the offense when we lack that speed in the backfield. And I think that kind of helps open up the run game a little bit. Um, that and, you know, I can't talk about this offensive performance without giving the offensive line credit. Um, I was really glad to see Spencer Brown back and coming out of the Jacksonville game. I, I wasn't quite sure like how much do we really expect to be you know remedied by spencer brown coming back you know this this quote unquote raw rookie um 
but I think we see when he comes back in, it, it really solidifies that, that right tackle spot, which in turn, you know, makes our guard play better because we can kick Daryl Williams inside and, you know, losing him wasn't just losing one player on the line. You know, the, the shuffle that we have to do around to replace that really created other gaps and the difference between the offensive line play against the Jaguars versus the Jets and the Jets had, especially in the middle with uh, Quinn and Williams, you know, that was somewhere where, where I was expecting to see some problems. Um, so I think, you know, T mentioned the sugar high Josh and, you know, the hero ball starting to come out. And, you know, if we look at the Jaguars game, he didn't have a horrific stat line. He had some bad turnovers, but he was still moving the ball. And I think you just see how much different that stat line looks because he's still making plays when he's running for his life, but it's hard to be an effective above average NFL quarterback play in and play out when, you know, there's somebody in your face. 1.5 seconds every play. Um, So I think on the offensive side of the ball, we we saw everything really open up with that improved offensive line play. You know, the running game was better. It was still, you know, small usage, but it was more efficient when we did use it. Um, And I think them working together as a group, really, they really seem to be gelling this week. And if they can keep some of that momentum going forward, I think we're in pretty good shape. Absolutely. That's what you want to see, right? You know, you want to see them get into that mold. Um, you know, they talk about peaking around the right time. Um, you know, some uh, David in the comment mentioned how, you know, Tennessee maybe possibly already peaked. And, you know, now they're going to be on the downhill turn toward maybe like the divisional round or, you know, wherever they might play and, you know, not play well. Um, so, I, you know, I, I definitely want to see us hit our stride at the right time. That's one thing that kind of makes me forget about the Jaguars game a little bit because remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, oh, wow, the Chargers are going to be the first seed in the AFC. <laughs> remember it like, and now, you know, I, three weeks from now. Remember when the Bengals were the number one seed? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like three weeks from now, the Titans might be eight and five. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, so mm-hmm. um, it, it, you just kind of got to take it week by week. Um, and I'm, I'm sure everything will uh, turn out, uh, you know, in, in our favor, how it's supposed to, I think, which I think is going to be in our favor because I really do think we have the most complete team in the NFL personally, offense, defense, and special teams. I just coaching staff, front office depth. Like, I just feel like we're the most complete team in the NFL, to be honest with you. Um, Jake, what did you like about the offense specifically? There's quite a few things I actually liked about the offense this week. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen did Josh Allen things. Actually, statistically, he put up his best game ever against the Jets, which is crazy. But he he did 75% completion percentage, two touchdowns, 366 yards. Like he's had he's had days close to that, but this was his best. Just that. I, I, I know. I, I thought for sure I was like, oh, I'm going to see a Josh Allen 400-yard game. No, actually, he didn't have the 400-yard game against the Jets. So I I was looking at all of that and then cooped with the fact that it's already been brought up, the offensive line play, getting Spencer Brown back. We understand he's a rookie. But him coming in, being able to kick a talent like Daryl Williams in at guard, 
really solidifies that right side of the line really well. The let the, the only question you have is the left side of the line with the left guard position. We know we've got Dion who's been hit and miss this year, but when he was out and they had to put Tommy Doyle in, I literally was sitting on this couch and said, Oh, Tommy Doyle's in. And then I'm like, Oh, Tommy Doyle got beaten. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I was, I was like, okay, uh, that's why Spencer Brown is starting and Tommy Doyle is, you know, usually inactive or not really yeah. playing. So I was like, uh, basically, I think this draft, you know, go get a guard, be able to solidify that left side of the line. But I liked how the line was playing. It was still above average play. And also, our running backs, the semblance of a running game that we had this week, being able to utilize them. And, you know, if there was one team that we needed to get the run game – Right against it was the Jets being the worst, almost the worst run defense in the league. You would think that if the Bills were going to get their run game together, it was going to be against this team. Now, do I think that that carries over in the other games? No, it was the Jets. I, I think that, you know, if you wanted to show what you could do against a bad team, you did it. But when you're going up against better defensive lines, you're going to need to call stuff a little bit more creative than what they did. But thankfully, that's why we have Matt Breida, who I need to see Matt Breida more active. Yes. Like the fact that the first game that he's in, he gets a rushing and a passing touchdown. Yeah. Just what you're able to do with them, because we've seen in games prior, they've had Moss line up and take passes. Like we've seen that. But when he gets it, could you imagine the yards after a catch Breida would get? more than Moss in those situations. Like, I, I think that Brian Dayball is opening the playbook up, especially with the fakes and the you guys already talked about all that stuff. This is the time of year where if you look in the past, teams that are successful in the postseason start to get everything rolling at this time of the year. They start to figure things out. That's what Brian Dayball is doing with all these pieces. We're finally figuring out what we're going to be able to do. Again, I want to see it carry over to the Colts, but if the Bills can somehow carry it over and look just as dominant and fluid as they did against the Jets, against the Colts, that's a good sign for the postseason. Absolutely. Um, 100% agree. You talked about how Breida can use his speed. Um, we saw it happen you know, on that touchdown pass. Uh, obviously, the linebacker was worried about Stefan Diggs, and before he knew it, Bria was running right past him and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. walking in for the touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Bria's speed is definitely killing. Uh, when you take a look at one of his runs, I think it was on a run he fumbled, but just the burst of speed was like nuts. And, you know, fumbling is, is obviously annoying, annoying. Excuse me. I'm not trying to excuse it in any yeah. way, shape, or form. However, um, you know, independent of the final result, the play can be analyzed, and that burst of speed was absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. So that is definitely something to look out for. Speaking of Brita, I'm going to ask you all, uh, guys all, like, individual questions. I'll just give this one to Jake since he mentioned it. Should Matt Brita be more active on game days going forward? Yes, of course. I mean, like, what we've just brought up, what Matt Brita brings to the run game is something that neither of our other <coughs> running backs have. That speed, I understand that fumble. He was switching He was switching hands with the ball when it got smacked out. That's something that you can coach out of him. And with that, Matt Breida 
can be used as a dynamic weapon in this offense. So, yes, I'd love to see Matt Breida going forward, especially if he keeps getting special team snaps, which we have heard he has been getting. If he can get that and factor into that, that's a better chance for him to be active and be active in the run game going forward. Absolutely. Um, I'm personally Antonio Williams guy. Uh, I really like Antonio Williams, and I want to see him thrive. Um, I kind of want to see him on the field a little bit. But I'm not mad at Breida getting playing time because, obviously, he definitely brings a different dynamic to the football field. And um, just, I think uh, he, he could uh, possibly be important to – what's up? I got a question. What does Antonio Williams bring to the team that Moss or Singletary don't have skill-wise? Um, I'm, I don't know about necessarily skill wise. I just like how hard he runs and it's not necessarily mm. like, I mean, Zach Moss runs hard, uh, Singletary, you know, is, is very shifty. Um, but Williams just looks like he has more pop to me than any of the other three guys. Honestly. Um, I, you know, if you see Williams go in and, you know, into the trenches, he just pops out, you know, and, and you know, he's mm. going, you know, however many extra yards it seems like to me. Um, kind of like the pop that Rita had, uh, except his is just like pure speed. It's not necessarily, yeah. you know, running through tackles or anything like yeah, it's that. Not, it's um, not power. It's speed. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like Antonio Williams has, has a very good mixture of both, and I kind of, you know, I want to see a little bit more of it. Mm. Um but like I said, I'm not mad at, uh, you know, Brita getting, you know, his number called at all because he's been making the most of it. Um, you know, he made the most of it this past week. Let's say that. Um, but uh, this question is going to uh, Justin, excuse me, Spencer Brown. Is he as important of a player in his Bills offense as he looked like he was, you know, against the New York Jets? Uh, I think it's hard to argue against it at this point. Um, I mean, we, we've seen him have some rookie moments where he just straight up gets beat around the edge. Um, but especially when you consider the implications of what happens when he's not in there, you know, as far as the player shuffling going around and all that. Um, I, I personally think that if we have one weak spot on the line and it's the left guard, we can overcome that and it's not ideal. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, uh, offensive lines in the leagues that, you know, it's not like everybody has five pro bowlers across the line. Um, so I think it's, I think you're able to cover up one weak spot when he comes out of the lineup and you have to, you're shifting Daryl Williams back out. Well, we don't have one starting caliber guard right now, let alone two in depth behind that. Um, so when, when you take Spencer Brown out of the equation, I think it's, kind of the 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 domino effect that happens after that if you will um that you're you have to compensate for basically three positions and then seeing daryl williams kick out to tackle he doesn't look like the same player that he was last year at the tackle um i still love daryl williams i i actually it was one of my my boldest hot takes in the off season was that we would at some point see Spencer Brown played too well to be ignored and Daryl Williams had the experience at guard and we were going to get two really good players out of it versus having, you know, one franchise right tackle. Um, That's a hell of a hot take. Yeah. yeah it, was, a, it was regular Nostradamus. Wishful, you are. 
Yeah, right. it's partially wishful thinking because I, I really love Spencer Brown coming out. Um, but seeing it kind of unfold and Daryl Williams looks good at the guard and Spencer Brown looks good at the tackle. And mm-hmm. now to me, it's really going forward. You know, we have what we have this season and Jake mentioned it before. There's not much we can do about that left guard position this year except survive it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's got to be like right at the top the of only priority. I mean, honestly, I like Boogie Basham. I hope he develops into a player. But when you look at some of the guards that were sitting there at the top of the second round, I I can't help but think about, you know, if we were able to insert one of those guys now and just see what they have versus what we currently have. Yeah. and That's a very good point. I think a big part of that, too, came uh, they had a little bit too much faith in John Feliciano when they re-signed him. Uh, this off season, I think that you know they went at the tackle spot because they, you know, they knew that possibly they still had Cody Ford waiting in the wings, which they don't, and they had Ike Botker who could be a serviceable. Like I, I think that they were going to go into this year with having Ford and Botker trying to fight over the left guard spot and have Feliciano possibly go to right guard. Neither uh, of them then, needs to be there. Yeah, but Spencer Brown came and played. Basically, did what Gregory Rousseau did and just showed that, hey, I need to be a starter on this team. So they moved some things around. And like you said, I think it's better just for the team in general because they got two good players out of it with Williams moving into guard. And now if they want to reevaluate after the season, they can go into the draft. And I would not I would be all in on day one going <laughs> going for a guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can't say I disagree with you there. I wouldn't be mad if we just all of our draft picks were straight offensive linemen. I would understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, next question goes for T. Mr. Diggs was dominant. Okay. Um, that he was. Is this a sign of what's to come? Or do you think, like, you know, people are going to you know, pull his card and, and, you know, pretty much keep him quiet over the duration of the season. I mean, I think everybody knows that Diggs is that wide receiver. I mean, is this his breakout game? Absolutely. Um, I also think that Gabe Davis, when he plays, he opens up the field for, for Diggs to have those opportunities for Josh to throw him the ball. If you put, you put Gabriel Davis in there, Diggs, are going to sh- Diggs is going to show up. And then when you have Isaiah in there as well, as it just opens every opens the field up. So I think, you know, once, I don't know, you know, this game to me was finally like, okay, Diggs is still on the team. Josh just needed to be relaxed. And, and you know what, to also too, not to get um, sidetracked, but I also think that Josh sometimes put himself in harm's way when he doesn't trust his O-line. So when everything is rushed, you're not going to read your progressions and all that other stuff. So when he had his time yesterday, he found his dude, he found Diggs. He had all the time in the not all the time in the world, but he had enough time to get that ball out. And he found his number one receiver, which is, you know, Diggs. But I think this is not, this is, this is what needed to happen. I think the connection with um, Diggs and Allen, it was will always be there. Also, too, I think Diggs was like, listen, I'm here because, you know, they had a kind of a interaction. So and Diggs calms him down. So but again, I think 
if you put Davis on the field, you give Diggs that opportunity to get those balls because Davis is a different a different wide receiver. So yeah, Davis Davis had a pretty good game. Um, I'll just need him out there. He had that tremendous catch on the sideline. Oh, my God. My Lord, that was so gorgeous. I was like, and he caught it, too. (laughs) Right, exactly. He caught it, kept his feet in. That was nuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pass interference would have got us there anyway, but I'm glad the catch actually happened because that was beautiful. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Why do you think um, Davis is not on? Do you think it because of Sanders? I think it's a mixture of um, him not necessarily being healthy um, for much of the beginning of the season. Um, on top of that, we didn't really, you know, Sanders and, and Josh clicked really well, seemed like, you know, from the start. So it was like, you know, we don't necessarily need days on the field at all times. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but the emergence of Dawson Knox, uh, you know, it, it was kind of like, right. you know, we, we have, you know, Gabriel Davis there waiting in the wings, but, uh, he's not absolutely necessary at this present moment in time. But I do think well, he's going to be a huge part of our offense going forward. And this is why I said I don't think we're on we're on all cylinders right now because if you put Gabriel Davis in there, if you, you have to have plays for him in order for you to open up that, that playbook. So if he's in there, you're going to get you, – I think your offense will, you know, thrive. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I just um, I just wanted to follow up on just, on T's question there. I I've had a lot of people, you know, over the, like the last twenty four hours talking to me about oh, Diggs breakout game. You know, we've been looking for this all season, and and it's like reset the expectation for a lot of people I talk to that like they think Diggs is just going to go bananas for one hundred and fifty yards every week going forward, <laughs> and and I kind of caution that because. Diggs has been there the whole season and he's having a good year, albeit mm-hmm. like a little quieter and less flashy. But what I think is really important about the performance he had this week is now he's now the Colts are game planning for the Bills going into this game, right? And and all the film they're watching, they're like, see how Diggs keeps beating them? Diggs beats them. And and all of a sudden the focus shifts more to Diggs. And then maybe this is the next week where they really think they need to eliminate Diggs from from the game plan, mm-hmm. and then boom! Now it's an Emmanuel Sanders game where he goes for a buck twenty and Beasley chips in eighty. You know, I I think that's the beauty of the depth that we have at wide receiver, is that any of these guys can go off any week. You know, Beasley being arguably the top slot in the game, Emmanuel Sanders just a savvy veteran, Gabe Davis with the down the field improvisation ball skills. You know, if if you want to focus your efforts towards eliminating eliminating digs, first of all, good luck. Um, but also, <laughs> if you do manage to do that, I hope you have a plan for the other three, four guys that we're sending your way because they're coming. Right. So it's crazy when our worst right receiver dressed is Jake Kumaro, and he's pretty damn good, right? So, <laughs> like, you know, we definitely have a lot of talent uh, at the wide receiver position. Um, really quickly, we're we're going to take some time and we're going to jump to the other side of the ball. Um, obviously the defense had a hell of a game. They're having a hell of a season. The number one ranked defense in the NFL, uh, number one ranked pass defense in the NFL as well. Uh, first in takeovers, they're just, they're on it this year. I mean, not to say that they are on it every other year. Obviously, Leslie Frazier is just unbelievable. Uh, 
he and Sean McDermott really put on the masterclass at, you know, how to build a defense. It, and it's just been, it's been amazing to see. Um, you know, one of my big analysis of Leslie Frazier was, I said that he's going to put a player in the right position, you know, where they're supposed to be in terms of like, you know, uh, what, what defense he calls, right? It's all about if the player is talented enough to make it happen. You know what I mean? Um, we see guys like Matt Milano playing like one of the best linebackers in the league. Tremaine Edmonds playing like one of the best linebackers in the league, although he was injured. A.J. Klein stepped in, was amazing, right? Terrence Wallace turns out to be amazing. Levi was amazing. Uh, Trey, Tremaine, uh, Tredavious was amazing. Like, I think all four starters had an interception. Um, so we're going to go into what we liked about the defense today. Uh, T, I'm going to get your response first on this one. What, what did you like specifically about the defense? Leslie Frazier is not going to be here next year, and I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad. He's going to get a head coach position. If, it's, if he doesn't, something's, something's wrong. Something's wrong. But um, I like the fact that when it came to our defense, um, next man up. Klein came in there, played well. Um, who else was out? Or the last game, not the last game, but um, the Kansas City John game. Right. Oh. Um, last the, the Kansas City game, who was it? Um, oh, my God. What's his name? Batman and Robin. Milano. Right. Uh, Milano. Um, he, he, he didn't play, right? Oh, that's he right. He didn't play up. in Kansas City. Right. Yeah, that's right. Next man up. So I like I the fact terrified. that our defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was too. <laughs> I like the fact that our defense, even though the top player is not playing, the next man up. And it, it just keeps going on. And I, like I said, Leslie Frazier will not be here next next year because of that, because of our D is playing so well, because he he's grooming these men to be men and, and bringing that that out of them. So he's I like I love our defense. I love the fact that we're number one, but all eyes are on Leslie Frazier and we better we better just take it in this year, because if he's gone. I don't know who's going to step into that role, but yeah. I think McDermott is going to be able to at least, you know, train the next guy to to do it at a high level. And he'll probably take over, you know, defensive coordinator duties until the next guy, you know, has it all together. Um, so and also, I'm not too worried about it. It does it does make me feel better that McDermott is a defensive coach. Um, what were you going to say? Right. Also, too, forgot, Star didn't um, play yesterday. So and then no, you had, you know, Oliver. And I think the fact that Star didn't play last year and we were all like, oh, OK, how is Oliver going to play? I think Oliver actually grew up because Star wasn't next to him. So I think, you know, Oliver is having a, a, a great season. Man is so quick off the ball. Absolutely. He is having an amazing season so far. Yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily like the stats to back it up, but yes. if you just watch. If you watch the film, he is disrupting mm -hmm. almost everything. Um, if he isn't getting double teamed, he's beating his guy one on one. Yes. Um, so 
Ed Oliver is, is 100% having a great year. Uh, Justin, what did you like specifically about the defense yesterday? Um, I mean, you guys both just brought it up, but I'm talking about him anyways. I, I have to give some love to Ed Oliver. It, it was a huge year for him and his development. And, you know, he's wrecking games right up the middle. And I feel like it's not, you know, something that's going to get noticed from somebody that's, you know, not a Bills fan. He's not going to get talked about in the media because he's not putting up these, like, double-digit sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that pressure right in the quarterback's face, right up the middle, making the quarterback move off his spot, throwing off the timing and all that, it's just so invaluable. And, yeah, it'd be great if he, you know, threw, threw a couple more sacks onto the stat sheet. Um, but, you know, flushing the quarterback left and right and, and just screwing up that timing – I mean, this is this is the type of pass rush coming from the interior that I I haven't really seen on the on the team since Kyle Williams, and and even with Kyle Williams, you know, I'm talking like Kyle Williams in his prime where he was getting in the backfield on a regular basis, and this is the type of guy that he's got the the physical tools and that draft pedigree and all that that it, if he can continue stringing these games together. I mean that that to me it's like Kyle Williams on steroid and I don't know <laughs> if you guys know this about me but Kyle Williams is my all-time favorite Bills player and to even be mentioning him in the same breath as what Kyle meant to me as a football fan it he's he's showing me something for me to be saying that so mm-hmm. that the defense as a whole, you know, played tremendous. We could start really wherever with what we liked on, on that side of the ball. But Ed Oliver's really been coming along nicely this season. Yeah, absolutely. High praise for Mr. Oliver. Um, I, I agree, especially when you consider he has the tutelage of, um, you know, Kyle Williams. That that just helps his case even more. Um, so uh, I 100% agree. That is a very good point. Um, finally, Jake. Was there anything specifically that you you really liked what you saw yesterday? I think the defense played good as a whole. And I think that people that needed to step up did step up. Levi Wallace, you know, made made me eat my words. T was on a podcast with me with you before the season and defending Levi Wallace. And look, Levi Wallace was good. But this these are the type of games that I expect Levi Wallace to have great games because we're going against a competition level that, you know, it's not stress, doesn't stress him out too bad. And it shows that he can still be a reliable CB two. While I don't think that he's the best CB two in the league, I still think that he's going to demand a contract after this year. And I think the Bills should give it to him. And that's something I was not expecting to say going into this, going into this season, uh, one of the big things that I like, too, is we talked about Ed Oliver, but right next to him, the guy helping him out was Harrison Phillips stepping up mm-hmm. for Starla Tula. Yes, yes. Like, Harrison Phillips, I it was one of the things that I was surprised not a lot more people were talking about as I was like, hey, Harrison Phillips was just right there doing what he needed to do. And, you know, we we give him a lot of grief. I know a lot of people, we want him to be turning into something. Obviously, he's... Like, we want him to be a one-tech, but he's more of, like, a bigger three-tech guy. But still, I think that he could develop into a role where he does have a place on this team if he can keep playing 
like this. And maybe Star being out, we don't know. Uh, Spin says in the comments we're going to need him against the Colts. We don't know the situation there going forward these next couple of games. We might not have Star Latulale. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure we play we play like three games in like 12 days or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I think that the Bills are going to need these guys to step up. F.A. Obata had a great day. <laughs> like, these dudes, like, uh, you got to give it to Leslie Frazier. Like T said, they have these guys waiting in the wings, too, that are able to do almost as much damage as the starters are doing. And I, you got to love it from top to bottom. The defense was great. Obviously, I expect it against a team like the Jets, the game plan, get to Mike White, pressure him, and try to take away those short games and make him beat you long. And when they did that, you're able to get takeaways because Mike White isn't the guy. So I think defensively as a whole, the game plan, the personnel, those dudes that are waiting in the wings are still able to step up and step into the roles that we need them to do. And that's, you know, that's all you can ask for from this team because a lot of teams, when they lose a guy, they're done. But when if you would have thought you lose a guy like Star Latulale, you would have been like, oh, God, whoever the backup is. Thank God Vernon Butler, while he did play some snaps, was not – as much in the game as as uh, Harrison Phillips was. So the D-line as a whole was great. I had to love the whole performance from it. And hopefully going forward, you know, they, they're able to keep this up. Obviously, I don't expect for them to be absolutely dominant every single game, especially, you know, the corner position when we do have to play teams that have higher caliber wide receivers. I don't expect Levi Wallace to be nearly flawless in that game and i don't expect taron johnson to be like i i don't expect anything except for them to do their job so i think the de the defense did their job that has to do with coaching and personnel and it's just great mm -hmm. okay so uh i have a question for you jake you yeah, said that you feel like the the bills are going to have to give levi his money now yeah, yeah do you feel like that's going to happen or do you think that they'll draft the cornerback and let levi walk I think they I, no. I think they pay Levi and they draft a corner. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I I think that that's the better way to go. Uh, obviously, they know that Levi is a guy that they can plug in, and he's he's reasonable and can have good games like he did against the Jets, where he's one of your best corners out on the field. Mm -hmm. And that's that's crazy to say. Obviously, Trey White doesn't put up gaudy numbers, but out on the field, Levi Wallace still was one of the one of the better corners that we had out there. So I think that if he continues <coughs> his play and is able to be reasonable, I think he gets a decent contract, probably not anything crazy. And I think the bills would still be ridiculous to not try to draft a corner. Obviously I think they might go the route that they usually do where they draft a corner late and hope he turns into something, which I don't like. I, don't I like wish they route. would do it. Yeah. yeah I, I don't like that route, but I think they'll keep doing it. Like if they have Levi Wallace, on a two-year deal again, expect late-round corners for about two mm -hmm. months. So I, I think that he's going to get paid, and they're going to draft. And he knows the system, so yeah. why not, people? Very true. He's he's he, you know obviously he's showing how much he loved Buffalo. He mm -hmm. came to Buffalo for what is like a veteran's minimum yeah. or something like well, that. He, yeah. uh, way he also told he them, have. sorry. No, go ahead. And he he also told him that don't look, I want to sign back with Buffalo. So yeah. You know, so he told his agents. Uh, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, next question is for Justin. Now, Jake mentioned how the defense played well. They played good, right? Um, five turnovers, a pick 
for each of the guys in our secondary, four interceptions, and then also a forced fumble, uh, and also recovery by Micah Hyde. So he had the trifecta this week. He just didn't have a touchdown. <laughs> Do you now our defense is number one in takeaways, and we because of that, we have the best turnover margin in the NFL. Is this sustainable or is our defense just opportunistic? Uh so I don't I wouldn't say it's clearly one way or the other. Um I I would say probably if I had to answer definitively, lean more on the side of not sustainable. Um, there's just so much that go into turnovers that are, you know, weird bounces of the ball, like like Micah Hyde's um forced fumble there. It, you know, to be able to force the fumble and recover it, you know, that's just a matter of which way the ball bounces and, you know, just could just as easily could have been fallen on by a Jets player if it bounces a little bit of a different way. Um, But I think that's just the nature of turnovers in general. Um, What I would say towards them being opportunistic and kind of leaning more towards the sustainable end of the turnovers is these plays are being made because they're in the right spots. Um, the cornerbacks are playing the zones properly. They're passing off coverages properly. You know, you don't, you don't very often see, you know, one of those plays where one of our cornerbacks gets, gets burned on his assignment and they're looking at somebody else throwing their hands up because they, they expected the other person to do something different. Um, they're they're very sound in how they work within the zone. Um, so I mean, some of the some of the turnovers are fluky, but I I do think it's you know fairly sustainable to expect you know one to two turnovers a game. I, I wouldn't expect you know five in very many games, but there's not many quarterbacks coming up on the schedule that I'm not like eh we couldn't pull pull an interception or two off this guy. So. I, I do think it is fairly sustainable. Okay. All right. I, I like that. I like that. Um, especially, you know, the first, the entire first half of the season, uh, basically uh, most of the first half, I think, no, because the second week was a shutout. So I'm pretty sure at least seven to eight of the weeks, if not all nine weeks, they were the number one defense uh, scoring wise. Um, so, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um <laughs> I'm gonna jump back to offense. Um, I'm gonna give this question to Jake. What did you think of Brian Dayball's performance today? Oh, dude. Or, I'm sorry. Okay, so yesterday. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I got you. So Brian Dayball, obviously, I think there's a little bit more pressure on him this year, just from the fact that Sean McDermott has said that they don't want to be a one-dimensional team. So I feel like he himself has been trying to integrate more things that, you know, we already saw at the beginning of the season against the Steelers. They were pretty much ready to just come back in and do exactly what they were doing last year, where it was just throw the ball a million times and abandon the run game. But then Mm -hmm. eventually I believe the focus has turned into trying to make them more of a two-dimensional team. And obviously I think it worked against the Jets. Obviously they're one of the teams that, you know, you had the best chance of doing it against uh i think brian dayball called a really good game i liked that it seemed like what we said at the beginning uh is that that little that playbook was unlocked a little bit more and a few more chapters opened up and i think that the offense was allowed to be able to do more things that were a little bit more creative something that we saw from brian dayball a lot 
last year where it was super creative and everyone's like, oh, look at Brian Dayball doing all this stuff. I still think that that's there. I think that maybe as it goes on and they figure out really what they have in the personnel, it'll be more opened up. But Brian Dayball called a hell of a game yesterday. And I think that it, it I, I hope that it continues. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a little bit harder for him to pull off against the better teams in the league. But he still, you know, he did what he needed to do and called a hell of a game, which we kind of expect from him, hopefully going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Did anybody else want to jump in on this question? Because I know there were a lot of people who had thoughts about Brian Dayball. I, I just wanted to say we talked earlier about all the all the people that benefited from from the offensive line playing better this week. And and in that comment I made, uh, I didn't even think of, you know, Brian Dable being as somebody that really benefited mm-hmm. from that. You know, part, part of, you know, a lot of criticism going his way is kind of out of his hands. He can call the plays and he can know how they're supposed to work and whatnot. Um, but then it's on the players to go out there and execute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot, a lot of the criticism that was coming his way after Jacksonville, I do think some of it was was due criticism. Um, but I think it's also showing, you know, when he has that line that can buy Josh Allen time, that can open up some holes in the run game. Um, I think that's kind of the execution of what he's seeing in his mind and then therefore makes it look like he had a lot better of a game plan. Um, so I think he was also a benefactor of the, of the better offensive line play this week. Absolutely. T, did you have any thoughts on uh, Brian Dayball? Well, I just wanted to add that, like um, Jake had said about two-dimensional um, team or two-dimensional, um, how he wants the team to be two-dimensional. Um, I think that sometimes – that being that you take away from your from Josh and being that that um, pass quarterback, I get frustrated at times when you're running the ball and you're just running it into a brick wall. I think if you take away that aspect for Josh, you're just saying, "All right, we're going to try this. Going to continue to try this. Continue to try this." When it doesn't work, so then when you take that take that run game out and and, and I know that everybody is um, – you, you need to be two-dimensional if you're going to go and play in a championship games, if you're going to win the Super Bowl. You need to have a run game. I'm all for having a run game, but it, when it's effective. If it's not, then go away from it. That's all. That was actually going to be my very next question to you. I was just going to ask you simply, all right, do the Bills need to be two-dimensional, or do you think that they can find success just throwing the ball? Uh, we've seen last year they can – throw the ball, but I think you need to have sprinkle in a run game. You don't necessarily have to have a dominant run game. You just need for it to be effective. And I think what Mac Breida, he gives you all of those pieces. I'm not a big fan of um, Moss. I'm not. I'm a big fan of Devin, and I wanted Breida in. And even, even your guy, Williams. I'm a big fan of him too. So, I mean, nothing against Moss. I just don't think his run is effective for me. I just, uh, Singletary, the man can weave through any, weave through uh, blocks. Um, he can also make you miss. So, I'm more of a Devin Singletary. But like we've seen last year, we need 
a run game sprinkled in. Dave in the comments says <laughs> we'll be thirteen and three without a run game. <laughs> yeah, that was, said, why, so, well, we're, last we're six year and three did, with it. <laughs> yeah, last year we did pretty good uh, without a run game, but I think that we still it's we I believe T just said it. We we need a run game when you know we need it. Like okay, this team is selling out to stop the pass and they're mm-hmm. inviting you to run, that's when you need to take advantage yeah. of having a run game. And I think that the Bills, you need to at least have that threat. Uh, when teams know that you're not going to run the ball, they're going to play that too deep safety and they're going to try yeah. to take away all of it. So if you can force them to move up just because you've got a dude back there that can take over a game or at least have the threat of taking over the game. If you're like, hell, okay, you want to try to take that away? We'll just run it down your throat until you move Mm -hmm. up and try to stop us. That's what we need. But I think the Bills could be perfectly fine. And two, I think we need an effective one just for if we're in situations where we're up big and we just need to chew up the clock, you got to have an effective run game. Like we can't just keep passing it down the field. Obviously you can keep, if you want to just keep scoring points, but if you just want to grind the game to a halt, when you've got the lead, you got to still have that run game back there. So I think you don't abandon it, but I still think you need to at least have a semblance of one to be able to be effective in today's, NFL like you can yeah you're gonna win like a a lot of games by just passing but some games you're just need you need to have that run game man yeah so is there any credence to the opinion that the Bills need a new running back we need to go out and get a more talented guy whether it's in a draft or free agency um I would think that getting a guy in the draft again we know that you can hit on running backs you don't need a dominant running back Mm -hmm. to be able because a lot of it is based on your o-line play too so you can have just a like an okay dude back there but as long as the scheming and the o-line and the way that they're playing is working you can have success would it be better if you had a guy like jonathan taylor or james robinson or someone back there yeah they make your o-line just look better but i think that the bills can still do it with who they have but again, I, I don't think that you necessarily need to go out and either pay a lot of money for a running back or draft one in the first round. Right. Very understandable. It is uh, Jake. I'm sorry. Uh, Justin, what, what's your thoughts on, on the running back situation? Yeah, I, I think the running backs get a little bit more criticism than they deserve. Um We'll start by saying I'm I'm a team motor guy. Um, I'd like to see him clean up his fumbles a bit there. They're starting to get a little concerning. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, you know, our lack of a run game is necessarily something that we can place on the running backs and say, oh, you know, let's let's go out and use the first round pick and bring in, you know, one of the one of the absolute top flight guys. Um I think we fix our running game more through improving the offensive line and getting mm-hmm. better there. I think for for the type of run game we want to have where we don't necessarily need tons of volume to take away from our passing game, the guys the guys we have back there are just fine. And I don't think you'll ever see us invest anything more than like a third-round pick in, in the running backs. Um, but with the state of the offensive line right now, unless you're bringing in a guy like 
Derrick Henry that can just make four yards out of no hole, you know, it's not going to look that much different. I mean, think about whatever running back you want to insert back there, you know, pick any, pick any back in the league and then, you know, have it be 60, 70% of their carries. They're, they're making the first guy miss at or behind the line of scrimmage. You know, even if you take that one guy out of the equation and, and the first guy they're making misses in the hole or just after the hole, you're talking, you know, another yard or two per per carry on their average. And, you know, despite the struggles, the running backs do have a de- decent yards per carry average for the year. It's more just there's so many plays that are, you know, it ends up being a three-yard gain, but the first, they had to focus their energy into making the first guy miss behind the line of scrimmage um, versus using that talent to, you know, Singletary making a linebacker miss in the open field, and now he's rattled off a 15-yard run. Um, so so my more pressing concern would be for for the line to get better in front of them. Um, but I, I think we've kind of seen being strategy on running back of, like, having a veteran there and – I don't think these are going to be guys that we give second contracts to. I think he's more than more than happy to when a contract's about to be up, draft another guy in the third round. Mm-hmm. Singletary's gone, then you got Moss and a young third round pick and keep doing it all over again. And I actually really like that strategy. That's right around right around the value that I would be drafting a running back and there there's the running backs I would give a second contract to in this league are, are very few. Yeah. And, and so you also set yourself up where you have an entire position where you never have to pay them, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, where are you going to say, Jake? Uh, I was just going to say too, just based off of, is it the running backs or the offensive line? You just got to look back to the past at some teams that have just had a quantity of running backs that just go through their team and just look at New England, for example. Right now, they've got Ramondre Stevenson doing okay, but it's because of their O-line play. Yeah. Like they, they basically just have dudes come in, and if the O-line is there, then, you know, if the hole is there, they're going to find it. And if your offensive line opens it up, it, it doesn't matter if the running back was undrafted or drafted in the first round. They're going to find it. Another one, too, is remember when the Steelers didn't want to pay Le'Veon Bell they said it's okay. James Connor's here, and at that point, mm-hmm. their o their o line was still perfectly fine, and James yep. Connor had just as much success, or even more than Lev Bell did. And right now, they what they have now is their o line isn't exactly amazing now. And then they went out and got Najee Harris, who's one of those guys that can make up for having a slightly lesser o line. So I think you just kind of have to look at it and I think the history of it has just been that it's more offensive line play than it really has been having a guy back there except you know except maybe like Derrick Henry and Barry Sanders mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if you take a look at like the Houston Texans they have like Philip Lindsay uh, Mark Ingram David Johnson but they suck like running the ball right and then you take a look at the Dallas Cowboys They've always had a, a great offensive line, you know, to, to punch people in the mouth and run the ball mm-hmm. with, right? Remember, DeMarco Murray was like one of the best running backs yeah. in the NFL. Then it was Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's the other guy Hell, who's over there in Dallas. They got like Tony Pollard going off. Tony man. Pollard. Yes. Exactly. 
my apologies. Yeah. Um, I, I am personally a proponent of if it's your offensive line and, and your blocking schemes uh, that, that really create your, you know, um, running game. Obviously, unless you have like a talent like a Adrian Peterson in his prime, it's not going to be a huge difference. Um, you know, obviously some guys are better than others. I'm not going to deny that. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think it is, uh, you know, your offensive line along with your blocking scheme. Um, at this point, we're going to start taking <laughs> we're going to uh, start taking questions, you know, from, uh, you know, the comment section. If you guys have anything you want to ask these guys, be more than happy to get to that. Uh, did any of you guys have questions for uh, the other guys in the group? I, I think the big one is, you know, obviously you guys do your own podcast, so you will talk about this. Uh, but just kind of like what we're here, uh, just looking at the Colts game coming up, right? Is that, you know, obviously it's Victory Monday. We need to, you know, before we're on to Indianapolis. But Oh, I was on and, already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, after the Jaguars game, even though I was drunken on vitamins, I was still sitting here. You know, going like, okay, now we got the Jets. You know, let's let let's move on to the Jets. I I think that you know, going into this Colts game, I think this is a real test for the Buffalo Bills. I think that they should truly be able to take advantage of a Colts secondary, which the biggest name on it is Rocky Sin, who probably might not even make cornerback two on the Bills. So, like, what do you guys? What are your guys's thinking going into there? What are you? Uh, are you worried about things, or what is like your most like, like, yeah, like the team is going to do good against this? So, with, with Justin, how do you feel about that? Um, so, I I have concerns with the Colts, um, largely just based off of, you know, they gave us a tough game last year in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people say, you know, if they didn't have Philip Rivers, we would have lost that game. First of all, I think Philip Rivers played out of his mind that game. He, did. he had some drop passes and whatnot. Um, I think there was one ball in particular that I think was Pittman in the end zone that he dropped. Um, well, all that aside, oh, the they, fate they gave the us, zone. yeah, yeah, they gave us a great game in the playoffs, and you know, come even coming down the stretch to a really weird, maybe fumble, whatever play at the end. Um, that was a team that competed hard all the way through and, and they play tough physical football. Um, where the concern comes for me is I was all the way out on Carson Wentz before this season. I thought they were fools making that trade. Uh, I still think they overpaid in that trade. Um, but they, they're playing pretty good complimentary football around Carson Wentz. And when you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, just, going ham on everybody you don't really have to ask Wentz to be going out there and throwing 40 times for 350 yards and three touchdowns to win the game um you know he throws for like 200 yards and maybe a touchdown and and they're in pretty good shape um so in particular with i believe star is already ruled out for this week um because oh is he uh, well, I, oh, I believe yeah. he was Probably unvaccinated, so he has to be yeah. out at least yeah. 10 days. Yeah, so he's um, definitely out for the Colts game. Yeah, so, so he's not vaccinated? I believe no, he said he, that in the beginning of the season. I believe it's like a health thing that he can't.
can't get vaccinated. That's why he was concerned about coming back last season too. So, gotcha. yeah, I I I really do think that Jonathan Taylor. While that's going to be, you know, like obviously you got to be scared. That's one of those guys that we said can, he can, he's one of those game changers. And I think another thing too, they got Naeem Hines right behind him who can catch yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's just as dangerous of a weapon. Uh, I think still the Bills, Marlon Mack. Yeah, and they have Marlon Mack, who you know, I they they don't use him that much. He's not they utilized that much, but yeah, but I I think he's still good. Uh, look, I I think Carson Wentz makes some boneheaded moves, and I think that some uh, some teams just don't take advantage of it most of the time. Definitely, the mm-hmm. Titans did uh, when they did it, but I think the Bills are. I'm not gonna say they're gonna have a field day. I if it's a Frank Wright coach team, like you said, they're gonna have grit. They're gonna be tough. And yeah. I think that they're going to – I mean, they're going to at least try to run it down our throats. I think the Bills mm-hmm. are – you know, they're they're adept at stopping the run. Uh, usually in years past, we'd be, like, scared of the run defense. But I think the Bills, you know, apart from giving up a 75-yard touchdown to uh, Derrick Henry, <laughs> pretty much would have had him held under – would have had him at, like, 58 yards. So I think that the Bills are definitely, you know, going to – they're going to realize that that's kind of one of their main weapons, but they do have receivers too. And Michael Pittman Jr. Do that you yep. got to worry about. So T, yep. what are you, when you're looking ahead to the Colts, what do you think that the Buffalo Bills strengths will be possibly against them and what their weaknesses would, and what are you kind of worried about? Oh my gosh. I haven't, I'm, even though I've turned a page, I haven't even really looked at um, the Colts, but like you said, their wide receivers are pretty good. Um, they have, um, is it TJ? T-Y? Uh, yeah, T.Y. Hilton. I think he took a step back, though, but you still have Pittman over there. Um, the middle linebacker. Who is, uh, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard yeah. is really good, and we have to be aware of him. Again, this is a rematch from last last year, and they may mm-hmm. they may remember they're going back into Buffalo again and, and saying we lost this 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 the last year. Let's not. Let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come in and give Buffalo their all. And again, Buffalo always, I said this on my pod. I think, I think Buffalo bills need to turn the switch on to where we are no longer underdogs. They have to now start thinking we are champions. We need to play like we are, because I think sometimes they, they, when they talk in the media, they still talk like they're underdogs. You're no longer underdogs. People are coming for you. Sometimes you are their you are their Super Bowl, so I think um, Indianapolis is going to come in and, and give their all. So again, I haven't really, you know, looked at um, Indy that yet. I'll do it tomorrow, but I, I just think they're going to come in and give them their best, and the Bills have to be pre- uh, prepared for it. See, definitely, for me personally, it's it's definitely that. Offensive line. This is going to be a huge test for the Bills in in both trenches, um, in the sense that the Colts obviously have a phenomenal offensive line. I don't even know if Quentin Nelson is healthy, um, but even without him, they're still pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a tough test for our defensive line to see if they're really as good as we think they are. You know, we, we'll get to see if Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver, you know, are are the beasts that we we think they are or if they just you know kind of go after lesser talent um we're also going to see about our own offensive line 
And if Spencer Brown is as big of a deal as we think, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, those guys are going to be going up against like guys like, you know, DeForest Buckner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Colts have a very talented roster. They really shouldn't be four and five um, at all. Is It's very odd. You know, Frank Reich is a good coach. Uh, Carson Wentz has been having a good season quarterback wise. It's just really odd. He started out slow, out. though. Mm-hmm. He yeah. definitely started um, out slow. Yeah, I'm, 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 um, I'm 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 a ner- I'm gonna be nervous for every game from here on out uh, because of the <laughs> Jacksonville game. Unless we you know put together you know some type of consistency um, where I can get, regain my confidence. Uh, as of right now, I'm really really nervous. Um, but Jake, what what is your specific uh, things you might be worried about from this Colts uh, roster? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to look to see if Darius Leonard is still good. He did go down in the um, in the Jacksonville game last week that they played, and he was holding his ankle. It was already taped up, so we'll see if he actually plays this week. DeForest oh, Buckner is definitely a dude that we're going to have to look at, and uh, obviously, you know, the way he lines up, hopefully, I think Daryl Williams is going to have quite a day with him the way he usually lines up. Our interior is definitely going to have to be on their A game. Um, and like you said, Quentin Nelson, he's a dude. He was playing last week, too. He is healthy. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, we really just need to be able to make sure that we keep them in check, hold the hold the run to at least be respectable. Obviously, it's easy to say uh, and over words and do it actually in person uh, and execute like that. But I think the Bills have the personnel, especially on defense, to be able to hold them and be able to take advantage and hopefully bait Carson Wentz into a few bonehead moves. Like I said, that he's usually good for, I mean, mm-hmm. even their offense, even their offense against Jacksonville in the second half was stagnant. And that was crazy to me is that, you know, Jacksonville, the Colts, yeah, the Colts also do have Eric Fisher. So definitely need to be uh, looking out at that. I, I think that the Colts are one of those teams that, yeah, they're much better than their record. Uh, sometimes just the offensive play calling isn't there for them. And, you know, Carson Wentz puts them in situations that they shouldn't be in and gives the other teams opportunities to be able to get up on them. So I definitely think that, you know, the Bills just need to take advantage of anything they're given and take advantage of a secondary, like I said, that one of their best players is Rockison, who wouldn't even be cornerback two on the Buffalo Bills. So I, I think that most teams usually do take advantage of the Colts in that way, just like the New York Jets did. I mean, like like we saw, uh, the Jets were able to put up points on this Colts team. I think the Bills are more than capable of doing it. And while I am, of course, going to be worried going into every single game, I still do have a little bit more confidence than I do worry going into this game against the Colts because it's. E- I, I think that it's easily winnable. Now, I know that the rest of the season, you know, rest of the season, the rest of the week, obviously, all of you guys have your own respective podcasts where you'll be talking about this um, individually. Um, but what do you expect Carson Wentz to, to do against this defense, uh, Justin? Like, what what's something – do you think he's going to be able to thrive or do you think they can bait him into some turnovers? I'm I'm so on the fence about what I think Carson Wentz is going to do. I still don't really know what to make of him as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what he's able to accomplish against us 100% depends on what they're able to do in the run game far more than it has anything to do with Carson Wentz. 
Um, but if we're if we're able to jump out to a lead and kind of make them a little bit more one dimensional and and take some of those carries away from Jonathan Taylor, I'm still not overly concerned with Wentz as a quarterback. And it's not really much to do with him versus the weapons they have. I mean, Michael Pittman's looking like a pretty good receiver, but then you got T.Y. Hilton kind of he's getting up there. He looks like a shell of him former self. Yeah, um, Paris Campbell, Paris mm-hmm. Campbell can't stay healthy, so we won't be seeing him. And then, uh, who's that last guy? I got it in my notes. Where are my notes? <laughs> the last uh, wide receiver for the Colts. Yeah. There's one other guy that I, I can't place his name right now. Um, but at any rate, just the, the receiving talent they have, I think, just isn't talented enough to to outmatch what our defense can do and the way our secondary is playing together as a unit right now. Um, so I, I think there will be some plays made out there, but it's going to be kind of what we, we've gotten used to seeing from opponents passing games where, you know, they give up some yards, but they do a nice bend but don't break and, and limit the points. Um, so, I, I mean – if Jonathan Taylor get, really gets rolling and they can use the play action off of that and suck our linebackers up a little bit, I think you see him have a bigger day. But mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of predicting him right around like the 200-yard mark. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, uh, Jake? What, what do you see from uh, Carson Wentz potentially to this game? Okay, so Carson Wentz, again, I, I, I think I've seen plenty of plays – from him this year where he does a little too much. We talk about Josh Allen doing too much sometimes. I mean, I I literally watched the play where the Titans got back there to him and he switches it to his other hand mid and throws it and throws a pick six. Like he does some plays that are ridiculous and he tries a little bit too much sometimes too hard, things yeah. aren't working. And I think too that you know you kind of need to look at Jack Doyle there uh, tight end who usually you wouldn't say much about, but in the red zone, he actually seems to be a little bit of a weapon that Carson Wentz likes to throw it to. So I, what do I see Carson Wentz doing? Again, uh, like Justin said, it all depends on what they're able to do in the run game. If you force Carson Wentz to have to make more decisions and force the ball downfield, you will get turnovers. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is one of those quarterbacks that will try to force something in there that maybe wasn't the best decision. He doesn't always make the best decisions, and the Bills can definitely be able to, you know, take advantage of that. And yeah, I I could see him probably having a pretty average day, but it could be like two hundred, like two hundred and thirty yards, one touchdown, and like two picks. I could see it being one of those games for Carson Wentz. Yeah, um, I would well, hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I, I see Carson Wentz as, as a very talented quarterback. Uh, his decision making seems to to lack, um, but hey, I, I definitely think that our defense could be a defense that you know throws him off his game, uh, confuses him a little bit. Um, not to mention our offense. If our offense can score points, they're going to be forced to throw the ball. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think Carson Wentz can win the game that way. Oh, uh, with wow. What do you what do you think, NT, about Carson I'm sorry. Wentz? I was just watching this 49ers game. They are getting their tail spanked 
Um, Ooh, the Rams. The 49ers are or the Rams. Oh, the, the Rams. Rams. Yeah, it's seven to thirty. Sorry. I I, I uh, T just to say I saw something earlier that was like uh, you can take Matt Stafford out of Detroit, but you can't take the Detroit out of Matt Stafford. <laughs> I love it. I like, which is I so like, true. I love that. Oh my but god! You know I didn't what? even realize the game was on. Of course, it's Monday Night Football. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead, T. But the same thing about um, Wentz. You could take you could take Wentz out of Philadelphia, but you can't take Philly out of Wentz. And that's how I look at it. I mean, you guys like hit on every point. I just think that um, Wentz is going to press, and when he does that, he's going to make mistakes. And I think our defense is going to is going to show up and get some picks. Or um, also, too, they said Fournette likes to punch the ball away. So I think our running backs have to be aware of that. But other than that, I just mm-hmm. you, like you guys said, you hit on all the points, and I just think that he's going to have, if um, the run game is not effective, he's going to be pressing and make mistakes for sure. Yeah, um, you can count on that. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we want to see from our defense. Uh, we spoke about how much of a genius Leslie Frazier was um, earlier in the show, obviously. Um, so hopefully, he can prove us right. Um, and we didn't jinx anybody, but um, I'm wearing my polo, so we're good. The Bills are gonna win, this week, obviously. We saw what happened. Um, I wore my polo again, and we started whooping people, spanking them again. So you're not allowed to wash it, Justice. Yeah, no, nah, this is this is this is a kind of like a permanent thing now. No more jerseys. You better you better freeze it and put yes. it in a dryer. And I don't wear it once you're a week. deodorant, man. Yeah, well, twice a week, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> but uh, that is the end of – oh, what happened? Okay. Um, that is the end of our podcast today. I really appreciate all of you guys for coming through, uh, you know, uh, the comment section as well as you guys, as well as you guys alike. Um, is, you know, you guys are awesome. I'm super excited to finally have had you on the show, Justin. And we have my man Andrew in the comment section as well. Thank you to both of you guys, members of the Wandering Buffalo podcast. Their podcast drops Wednesday and Thursdays. So definitely be on the lookout for that um, Wednesday as well as Thursday. Um, they also have their uh, YouTube, you know, the video podcast up, up on our YouTube page. Go ahead and check those guys out. Um, amazing production and amazing, you know, just the the product as a whole is just Absolutely. amazing. Uh, one of the best podcasts out there. Um, of course, we got Jake Jordan, the lowdown every single Friday, first round by also every single Friday. <laughs> that's that's yep. Jake's bread and butter, uh, <laughs> Friday. Um, but and I appreciate you coming, uh, for coming through, Jake. And then, of course, we have Miss T. Estelle herself. Uh, not your average podcast in the 716 every single Sunday. Um, and this Sunday should be no different. So uh, yeah. we look forward to that. Actually, she just dropped one yesterday. So go I ahead did. And check go check it out. out. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and follow me thing. as well on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Follow uh, T. Estelle. All of us. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so, um, let me see. I don't know why. The names aren't popping up, but um, we'll figure out another time. You, cool. you know, uh, yeah. But uh, thank you guys for listening to the Windchill Factor podcast and watching. Uh, this is the Bills and Buffalo Podcast Network. We are out. Cool.